from the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State and all across America and the world, this is The Big and Wild Outdoors with your host, Braden Gunn, Jonathan Swindle, and Glenn Kinman. Back, Big and Wild Outdoors. We got Jonathan Swindle, we got Braden Gunn. Glenn is bouncing around here somewhere, and we have Mr. Johnny sitting here next to us, and we're texting out for folks right now so they can listen. <laughs> He's famous, man. Say. He's like, hey, man, listen to me. I'm on the radio, man. I got to send it out and send it all to my friends, man, so they can all listen to the show. Yep. Uh, we are out here broadcasting live, if you haven't guessed by now. Uh, we did some uh, live shots from out here this morning. Via Facebook, Facebook Live. So uh, some of that's up there if yeah. you want to go. The other wait. camera persons, what their other two camera people woke up. So. Yeah, if you want to wade through all that material. And uh, we'll fire it back up as people start to come in and uh, bring in their fish, bring in their catch to be weighed in with the uh, FWC. No. Again, they were nice enough to come out here this year. And it's they, they love to do it because they get to see how healthy the lake is. They get to take a look at some of the fish coming out. See how they're doing. They get a little assessment while they're uh, doing the weigh-in. So it's all good. You it's need all to eat good. your saucer before you get whipped on the radio. Uh, <laughs> Nettles is over there. I, I keep telling people that. There's plenty of food over there. I mean, they, they, they brought enough sausage to feed an army over there. So uh, anytime you want it, swing by. Um, come on, uh, eat a quick lunch for us, and then hang out for dinner and head over to Catfish Johnny's. And, uh, but. Before the uh, top of the hour break, we were talking with Mr. Catfish Johnny, and uh, I, I topped him. I think I, I, I kind of made him feel bad because I actually got to meet Elvis Presley, and you never got to meet Elvis. How, how did that happen? <laughs> all the time you spent in Nashville hanging out with all these people, how did you not meet E? Uh, just different Didn't. ages, different times, you know. Really? I wasn't. Uh, back in those days, I really wasn't an Elvis fan. The thing that made me fall in love with Elvis was his his uh, religious songs. When he went and did the gospel albums, the gospel yeah. albums, and then uh, yeah, I knew what he was. So he he was a fantastic kid, sure was. Well, I know he was a great entertainer, and oh, I, yeah. you know, I, I in I that did. era we used to see country artists, and you can back me up on this that would kind of mimic Elvis when they were on stage. Not quite to the point where they were doing the hip swivels and everything else, but. You know, I mentioned Rex Allen Jr. from back in the day. and uh, I know Rex. And, uh, you know, he was quite the showman. He always put on a great show. Uh, you, you know, you had your stoic guys like Conway Twitty and things like that and Johnny Cash. You know, they didn't do much right. of that other crazy stuff. Rex My- Allen, I've worked with his dad several times. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. He's, they were, they're both great people. My, yeah. my question is, is this, and I know you, uh, y'all grew up around here, you and Mr. Ville Sr. and all that. How many of those guys that you knew, like you say, when they're around that they stop by, but how many of them that stop by would want to go fishing and get out here and Oh, a bunch. <laughs> they all I know I know there's a lot of them that love to fish and hunt. Oh, I still take uh uh Alan Frizzell, who's Lefty Frizzell's Lefty's yeah. brother. He still comes down? Oh yes. And uh anyway I take him fishing every chance he gets. <laughs> And uh, I brought Bobby Bear here. Oh, my gosh. There's a name. I brought Yeah, He's in the Hall of Fame now. Yep. But I brought him down here 27, 28 years ago. 
and he fell in love with Lake Penasofka. Now been he can't get rid of him. Been back every year. <laughs> well, didn't the uh, didn't the guitarist from Alabama? He was a big bass fisherman. He was a big. Uh, he tried his hand at tournament fishing for a while too. I know he was a a big time guy. He would have loved it yeah. out here on Penasofka. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. You know, he'd come down here for the Strawberry Festival, get his butt on the lake, and he'll be showing up late for the show. Little Jimmy Dickens used to come down, and I'd take him out there on the lake. Really? And Oh, yeah. He yeah. I always loved watching him the, on TV. Did you ever have to, did you have to put those little rubber swimmy floaty things on him? <laughs> he was a neat little guy. What, it was in case he fell over or something? The only thing he wanted to do was catch a bigger fish than Bobby Bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no competition in Nashville. Yeah. No, yeah. none whatsoever. Well, that is, I mean, that is awesome. I, I, we tell this to people all the time, and they they really don't know unless they meet someone like you. We we talk yeah. about the history of, of the area up here at Panta Vista, and it's it's literally an hour north of Tampa, and it, it shocks and amazes me how many people know Have don't no know clue. this place. that They don't even know it exists. Yeah. Three years ago, you're looking at one of them. Uh, you know, for all the years, I mean, I used to come up here and run the back roads, uh, with my friends, always looking for a new place to hunt. You know, we cut through here on 321 to go to 44 and, you know, places now that Bill George is hunting. And so I always knew this place was here, and it was always just a little small, you know, speck on the map that you either knew it was here or... With a big body of water. You drove by it at 80 miles an hour, and, and you still don't know it's here. Yeah. And uh, it's a big, beautiful lake. Uh, I'm sure that a lot of people, if they look on a map or Google Maps or whatever it is, and they'll see it right off the interstate. And when they drive by, you can't see it. Nope. It's uh, about six miles long, six and a half miles long, about a mile and a half wide at its widest spot. And it's fed by and, uh, it's fed by which rivers? Isn't it fed by the Withlacoochee? By the Withlacoochee, the, yeah. the little Withlacoochee, and it empties into the big Withlacoochee. And, and the Big Withlacoochee is one of the few rivers in the world that runs north. That's right. That one in uh, the Nile the, River and the St. Johns is just there's three there, and and there's not many more. Okawaha runs north. It does. Yeah. So uh, there's there's only a few of them here, but uh, I think that uh, a lot of people. I know one time Glenn and I tried to get here, and the water was low, and the dam system was there, and they couldn't get over, couldn't get the, up in here. So. Mm-hmm. We had to go all the way back, get on the boat ramp, put the uh, the airboat back on the, on the ramp, bring them out here, and then go run this place. So, you know, it's a little hard to get to unless you come up the back way on an airboat tour or something like that. But for the most part, I think that so many people, and with our broadcast, I know that we, we talked, and I couldn't believe that there were some guys that, were, that drove all the way up here from uh, down in uh, uh, Sebring in that area. Because they'd never heard of it. And they actually called up, rented a cab, and came up for the day. And were like, man, this place is awesome. We never knew it existed. And they come up here every year now. Yep. So we're just trying to get people to, to discover this area. I mean, it's a beautiful place. I can't believe how many vacation homes are here that nobody knows about. And uh, it's just a beautiful place to get to. And I know that we have Panda Vista Lodge here where you can rent a boat and go out, but there's another one up the street. I don't know what, what the name of it is. What's the other boat rental place up uh, there? Tracy's Point. There, there Tracy's used to be Point. A lot more, but there's, it's, it's dwindled down to the old standby. So you got uh, Panda Vista and Tracy's Point. That's it now? No, there's uh, oh, just north of us here. So it's on the other end of the lake down that way. Right, uh-huh. 
Oh, okay. It's on the north end of the lake. Yeah. So there's not a lot. So that's why we always talk about the Panavista. Vista. Not only do you have the cabins, but you got a boat ramp. you got a restaurant right up the street, or you can just cook in the house. It's no big deal. It's always a good time. We invite you to come out and experience it for yourself. Go look it up at panavista.com, panavistalodge.com. Just Google it. Look it up. Uh, like I said, if you're looking for a thing to do for the kids this summer, come get a camp. Come hang out. Kick their shoes off. Let them run around, step on rocks, have a great time. Fish off the docks. You don't have to go anywhere else. Makes Disney look like uh, a dump. Seriously. <laughs> this is a place to be. All right, we got to take a break. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. We are broadcasting live from the Panavista Lodge. It is the fourth annual Panfish Challenge going on right now. We're out here. I'm going to go get some metal sausage because that smell is driving me insane. i got to go get one. Well, thank you again to uh, G5 Feeding Outdoors and Brandon Ford. Come out and see us, you guys. We'll be here all day. We'll be hanging out all day. Welcome back, everybody. Big and Wild Outdoors. Thought I was going to be talking because you'd have a sausage in your mouth. Well, I just took it off the grill. It's like a thousand degrees, so I have to wait. <laughs> so, uh, before I could get to my nettles, I got to let it cool off a little bit. So it's uh, just me and Jonathan, Catfish Johnny's, and then some kind of weird blue suit just sat down. You can put those on. It's a blue shirt. I wanted to make him sound more important than he was. Oh. Stop it! Stop it! A blue suit. Hi, sir. What's your name? What's your rank? And what are you doing here? My name is Dustin Everett. I'm a freshwater fisheries biologist with the state of Florida, Florida Fish and Wildlife. Were you with us on the first year? Were you the guy out there on the barge when we did it the first year where we did the weigh-in on the water? I don't think so. You no. weren't here? No. You know, I, were you here last year? I was not. I actually uh, What, you just graduate? Come on, man. Help me out here. <laughs> No, I actually uh, worked down in the Kissimmee office for a while, and now I'm working out of the Ocala Regional Office. Really? And uh, doing a lot of work on Lake Panasofsky, and we're out here today to do the weigh-in. And So i got to ask you, what is your assessment of Lake Panasofsky if you guys have been out here taking a look at it? What do you think about the, uh, is it holding, you know, the dredging and all the stuff that they did for the lake? Is that is that helping, hindering, getting better, worse, what, what, what? We saw some really positive effects from the dredging uh, project that, that happened out here. Uh, you know, a, a, it was a big project, millions of dollars spent. Yeah. Um, but it was money well worth it. Uh, it opened up a lot of lake, and, and uh, the habitat is good. Um, lake Panasofsky is a really unique lake uh, here for Florida as far as its density of native vegetation. Um, there's a lot of lakes in Florida that have weeds, and, and that's not big news, but the types of weeds that are here in this lake um, are real beneficial. We, it's not plum full of hydrilla or anything like that. We have eelgrass and coontail and, and really good native vegetation. So you didn't have a bunch of people in the area dumping their aquariums out here is what you're saying. We don't have all that uh, stuff that used to be in somebody's aquarium and now is in all the lakes that we're trying to get rid of. Yeah, you see more of that in South Florida. Right. Um, you know, especially in real populated areas. I think the most exotic fish we have out here is tilapia, which tilapia are in pretty much every freshwater system here in Florida. It's just, you know, every every freshwater uh, here in Florida, you know, whenever we get a hurricane or storm, everything's connected somehow by canals, ditches, yep. whatever, and, and so those fish move around. But Flushes them right down in there where they weren't 10, you know, an hour ago right yeah 
But that's a good reminder. If you have a pet, you know, an aquarium fish or even a iguana or some sort of exotic species that you can't take care of, we have amnesty days where you can come in and bring those things, um, you know, and, and turn them over to FWC, and we'll take care of them, either giving them to zoos or, or finding homes for them. Um, but don't I re- say just put them in the freezer. <laughs> That's just me. Don't release them into the wild. Um, no. Because it, it causes a lot of problems. It does. But now, for you out here on this lake, you've been spending a lot of time out here. <clears throat> uh, do you, you guys don't stock this lake at all, do you? This is all natural? or it, it, On the whole, it, it is a, a pretty natural fishery. Um, we did have uh, some um, negative effects from Hurricane Irma uh, right. when it came through here last fall. As did a lot of uh, resources around the state, but uh, we had some real high water conditions. This is attached to the Withlacoochee River, and, and the water levels came up. And uh, we did experience a small fish kill out here, um, which uh, knocked back the fish a little bit. We do our electrofishing studies and go out and look at the fish. Um, so we were um, we, we did notice a slight decline in the fish population, so we've stocked some fish out here this spring. We'll continue to stock some more. What kind did you stock? Uh, crappies? Uh, more crappies? No, we stocked uh, um, bluegills. Right. Uh, roughly, I don't know, probably two months ago, we stocked somewhere around 150,000 bluegills. We stocked wow. uh, some threadfin shad in here, which is good forage for the bass and right. stuff like that. Um, we've done a lot of uh, studies out here, krill surveys, where we go out and we interview anglers and see what they're catching. We do our electrofishing surveys where it puts electricity in the water and just temporarily stuns the fish, brings them up to the surface. Yeah, we know all about that stuff. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, the, that's the easy way to get them, um, but you uh, know, in, in a fun way as well. But um, sure. You and know, you get to discover things that you didn't know were actually in the water. So what yeah. the? <laughs> Why a, is there a clown knife fish up here in Lake Penasovki? I don't know. But well, not one anymore. Yeah, thankfully, we <laughs> yeah, haven't really. uh, we haven't come across anything uh, like that. We did see uh, one brown hoplo, which is a armored uh, style catfish. We we saw. Do you mean like one. a placostomus type thing, or no? It's uh, well, placostomus is an armored catfish, but this is different. It's uh, it's a smaller catfish, and it it uh, it's got um, armor on it. I mean, if you were to look at this fish, you'd say, "Man, this thing! It looks like you know some prehistoric looking jobber." Yeah, but so uh, if you find one, does that mean there's more, or is that the one that uh, old lady uh, McGillicuddy couldn't have anymore and dumped it out here? No, it's, it typically means there's more. Um, oh, but no. It uh, is, you know, it's not a, a, a unique find here for Florida. We've seen several of them, especially down, like, in the upper St. John's River Basin. Uh, Can you eat those? Oh, yeah. There's, uh, you know, there's a... Catfish, John, are you paying attention to this? Yeah. <laughs> there's a market for those, but uh, it, it tends to be more of a... They're a delicacy um, in some of the Caribbean islands and things like that. I've heard of some of our... Um, this our, man here could fry it up, and it would taste unbelievably I'll tell delicious. you what, Catfish Johnny's is, is one of the best restaurants in Central in Florida, period. I live down in Polk County, and my wife and I will come up here just to Lake Panasonic, just to go to Catfish Johnny's. I'm telling you, man, people, you know, people, once they go there. But now, I find that funny because I had a guy who came in who wanted a net at G5 Feeding Outdoors. And he was up in around Gainesville, and he's got a spot where they're going to be catching placostomus. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're removing them, and they want them yeah, anyway, good luck. at least six inches long. And I asked, you know, the guy's like, what do you do with him? He goes, I got a guy who buys them. And I go, what does he do with him? He goes, I, I don't really don't know. So I don't know what they're doing. I, they're not 
rebreeding them. Are, are people eating those things? I mean, what's the deal on that? There are people eating those. We uh, um, we do sell, uh, FWC sells commercial uh, freshwater fishing licenses. Right. I've done a lot of work uh, looking at our commercial fishing industry here uh, recently, and there is a market for those things. And the, actually, um, they're paying more for the these armored catfish than what they're getting for some of our native catfish. So if we have any commercial fishermen listening, you, you I used to put them in the grinder and feed them to the alligators. But oh, really? <laughs> we had a gator farm. But, but there is definitely a market for them. Um, yeah, so. people uh, people that say if they eat them and it's done right, it's like lobster. It's like the freshwater lobster. I, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I've never eaten one because the only ones I've ever seen, they pulled out of the ponds at the Florida State Fairgrounds, and there ain't no way I'm eating anything out of there. Well, I've heard of that. You you take one of those uh, brown hoplos and throw it on the grill and wait for its shell to crack, and then once the shell's cracked, you just kind of eat it like a lobster. What are, you, are you talking about the other catfish? That's what they're called, a brown hoplo? Hoplo? Brown hoplo, it's it's in the same group as the Placostomus, but it's different. It's a smaller fish. So you don't have to scale it. You don't have to fillet it. You don't. You just throw the whole thing on the grill. And crack when it, it like pops, a. You just eat it? Yep. Just wait till the shell cracks and just tear it go up. Go to town, dude. You got to go catch us one. We got to go throw it on the grill. <laughs> I want to see this. Can you go get hey, one? Enough you know garlic and enough butter makes everything taste you're, good. You know you're right. Well, you know well, you're th- right. Thankfully, down here um, at, at Lake Panasofsky, there. Are um, we only found one in our latest electrofishing survey, so they're not very abundant here. But there are places, especially down in South Florida and the Upper St. Johns River, where the other thing that's interesting about them is they're obligate air breathers. So normal fish, they breathe air through the gills. Well, right. these fish, they actually come to the surface, gulp, Suck air. gulp air, and mm-hmm. then go back down. Like a goldfish or a tarpon. Or, mm-hmm. yeah. So sometimes if you're near a canal or something like that and you see these fish popping all up on the surface, a lot of times people think, oh, there must be brim feeding or something like that. A lot of times it's these brown hoplos, and they're just coming up to the surface to breathe. Now, don't Nile perch do the same thing if it's getting low water? I see them do that all the time in brackish water. No, a lot of times uh, fish like that, that, you know, there's a difference in their, in their um, you know, Nile perch, they're more, they breathe from their gills and stuff. So when uh, sometimes when you see those fish come up to the surface to gulp air, that's usually where... Um, if, if you're dealing with some low dissolved oxygen, usually right. the highest oxygen content's right there at the surface because it's, it's somewhat mixing with the air above it. Um, so Hey, that degree's paying off for you, my friend. Well, <laughs> I would have never guessed that. I thought they were sucking air. I didn't know that oxygen would be closer at the mm-hmm. top than at the bottom. That's, that's good to know. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to it. So. Well, well, I got a question. Uh, for me, obviously... The bow fishing and stuff like that, the regulations on that, with your freshwater, you know, with the freshwater fish, I guess the best way I can say this, because everybody asks me this question all the time is, well, why in saltwater there are certain fish that you can hook in line and you can shoot with a bow, but they always ask me, well, why can't we shoot, you know, brim? Why can't we shoot bass? Why can't we do this? Why can't we – can you – you know, let some people know why you guys have kind of set some of those limits as far as. Well, as you know, as far as we're concerned, the uh, you know sport fish or sport fish, and that's that's the bread and butter as far as the angling community goes. You know, a lot of people that are fishing freshwater, they're fishing for largemouth bass, crappie, brim, um, you know, catfish, and and these are our sport fish. Um, I can't speak so much into the why we don't allow bow fishing for bass and, and you know, all of that other than um, 
down here in Florida, bass is king. You know, that's kind of what what Florida's you know known for. Oh yeah, and. Uh, you, you know, don't want to be out there shooting them with no bow. I, I don't know. There'd if be it's, no trophies. They'd be shooting them all. Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's the optics on it or you know, and for one thing, some of our sport fish, especially bass, they have a size limit, and it's really hard to judge size. You may think yeah. a, a fish is 14 inches, seeing it uh, in the water. You shoot it with a bow and bring it in. It's it's, uh, it's 12, right? Which now you could keep, but um, you know, because our regulations have changed. Uh, back about a year and a half ago. But well, we'll talk more about what you're going to be doing out here today instead of the lake and uh, what you're going to be doing in your assessments and stuff on our uh, on our little tournament. Uh, we got to take a quick break. We're going to be broadcasting live all the way until 10 o'clock, and then the mayhem should start. Boats should be coming in. Last year we had like two but three boats in by now, but seems like everybody's still out today, so it might be a little harder this year. It's the Big and Wild Outdoors. We are broadcasting live. Thanks again to G5 Feeding Outdoors and Brandon Ford. Stay with us, you guys. We'll be back. And welcome back, Big and Wild Outdoors. Braden Gunn, Jonathan Swindle. Braden's wolfing it down. I'm almost done. <laughs> Anyways. I can only chew so fast. Huh. Are you good? Mm-mm. Take a swig of water. Keep going. Okay, go ahead. But and we were, I mean, we were talking. We have the gentleman here from FWC. I'm sorry. What was your first name again? Dustin. Dustin. And like I said, getting back to the bow fishing now, or for me, like I said, getting back to the bow fishing and stuff like that. Now, what the invasive species and stuff like that? I mean, what's y'all's? What's the plan? And what what do y'all guys do? Y'all utilize like the bow fishing? And we were sitting here talking about gigging and doing stuff like that i mean is that stuff that you guys really try to utilize or push i guess to keep oh we a lot of this stuff under control we certainly encourage people to harvest uh exotic species you know pretty much by any means um you know legal so that except uh, dynamite yeah that's uh, can't use that anymore <laughs> that's can't not, use the shocking that's method that's species selective so yeah uh, but no, that's that's one of the reasons why we don't have limits on these things. You know, where you can go out and and shoot as many tilapia as you want. Um, God, you need to get rid of those things. I mean, I, I, Fossil Park. We're far away from the bay. Everything else, all these little channels and canals that run back there. If there's water in it, there's there's tilapia all over it. Yeah, and, and they're tiny little uh, little ones. And I'll I'll give you credit. These guys. I see a lot of guys out now, what they're doing is they're they're uh, uh, throwing a cast net on them, catching them all, and then they go sell them to the grouper fishermen who take it offshore, and man, those grouper love tilapia. Mm-hmm. They'll t- You put a pinfish in a tilapia, they'll take the tilapia over it any, any time. Is that right? I don't know why, man. Boom. They hit it every single time. I think maybe it's because it's a species of something they've never seen before. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're typical, oh, I'm not eating that. I had that for breakfast this morning. Have you guys ever seen a real small tilapia, like three inches, four inches? Yeah, a lot of color on them. A lot of they're real, a lot of red. Yeah, well, I see them all over the place. See, when we're out doing our electric fishing surveys, we don't see a lot of really small ones. Usually, the ones we get are big ones, big and, slabs. And the biologist in me thinks, well, that's because the bass are eating all the small ones. I no, mean, they're, they're up in the backwater creeks and all that stuff. That's like I'm saying. There's a runoff from a lake. Mm-hmm. In Fossil Park in Pinellas County, uh-huh. and this water is 
maybe at high tide, it may be a foot deep, and at low tide, it's it's four inches deep. And there are literally thousands of them in there. Right. And they're all sitting there sucking air at the top, like I told you. They're all lined up, and they're all just sitting there waiting for the tide to come in. Mm-hmm. And that's all they're doing. And they don't leave. And, the <laughs> and egrets, they don't mind it because they know something's not going to come by there. <laughs> right. The egrets and the, and the herons, all that stuff, man, of course, that's smorgasbord for them. Oh, sure. They're, they're all right there. But I, I'd see them. There, there'd literally be thousands of them. Until these guys started coming in with their bait nets and taking them out, taking them out, taking them out. That's good. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of these species that are down here that are established, like uh, tilapia, they're going to be here to stay. I mean, we'll, they'll get their populations will get knocked back some. We get a real cold winter. Right. Um, they're not very tolerant of the cold. And, uh, you know, so sometimes January, February, if we get a real cold snap where it's cold for a few days, especially up here in the Ocala area we'll see big tilapia die offs good um, but it never kills all of them and it, so it's, it's one of those smart ones go deep yeah they they keep coming back and uh, you know well, they adapt i'm sure they adapt after a while to adapt to their know. surroundings i don't know it's hard for them well there's there's different ways they can get refuge you know from um cold water temperatures places they can go if they can find a spring you know somewhere like that 73 uh, staying around all year man it's all right. good yeah now uh, uh, you're out here today Panfish challenge. People bring in these fish. They put it in a basket. What are you doing? What are you looking for? What What is your What are you doing? Aren't you guys assessing some stuff while you're here? Yeah, I mean, we're we're interested in the catch rates and and you know what fish people are catching, how many, how long it took them to catch those fish, those things. Um, you know, but the the biggest reason why we're out here today is for the kids. I mean, we love seeing the kids uh, going out there and, and fishing. Uh, you know, catching these fish. And uh, we do a lot of things, uh, you know, we're, we're not just out in shock boats all the time, electrofishing and doing the science. We, we do a lot of things with kids. Oh, it, you do? I know um, the free fishing derbies and all that stuff derbies, all over the place. things like that. Yeah. You know, this week we brought um, some fish out to a, a local place that sets up a pond outdoors uh, and, and uh, you know, has events for the kids to fish and things like that. That's the biggest thing. We want to bring kids, um, you know, away from the video games and just show them that there's... Florida has tremendous potential outdoors and, and uh, you know, get get kids exposed to that at an early age. So, um, you know, they grow up and... and uh, oh, yeah, you get them when they're young, they'll be fishermen for the rest of their lives. Because right. once it's out there, it's fun. I just find it that... I don't, I don't want to get too political on you, but I always find it funny that, you know, even Disney endorses fishing. Mm-hmm. They have fishing out there at, on their, you know, they have some of the best bass fishing in the I was, state. Uh, yeah. I was just out at Epcot last weekend with my wife and kids, and I'm drooling as I'm watching some guy in a pontoon boat with his family uh, yeah. catching bass in one of the lagoons. And there. it's a, and it's actually reasonably priced, mm-hmm. you know, for a full day of fishing on a pontoon boat with a guide. Right. And uh, But I find it funny that fishing is okay across the board, but there's no mention of hunting and all the great opportunities that we have well, here in the state of Florida for Turkey hunting, gator hunting, duck hunting, I mean, whatever season it is. You know, hunting never stops in the state of Florida. Sure. And neither does fishing. Sure. And that's why we, as this show, we always encourage, uh, you know, I can tell you this much. We have found out in all our many years of being here and doing radio that not every fisherman is a hunter, Mm -hmm. but every hunter is a fisherman. Typically. I I, I would guess to say 99.9% of any guys who's out in the woods shooting at hogs Always picks up a pole and goes out and takes his kid fishing. Sure. Not the other way around. Well, so, one, yeah. one thing to keep in mind here in Florida is Florida's known as the fishing capital of the world. I mean, there's 
whether or not you're a saltwater angler or a freshwater angler, I mean, Florida is is a fishing destination. Exactly. Where there is some great hunting down here. I'm a waterfowl hunter. I love getting out there. And, Where's and your spot? Well, whenever, uh, well. I can, when, whenever I can get in, Broadmoor is my is my favorite down there. Uh, really? Yeah. You haven't done Tampa Bay yet, you big chicken? Yeah, it's uh We opened up some new territory this year that a lot of people didn't know that was legal. Yeah. Made it onto Channel 8. <laughs> <laughs> From all the complaints, we got on there and said, you know, you can actually hunt this area. Yeah. And they're like, oh, really? Next thing you know, Channel 8. Complaints yeah. everywhere. Guys out shooting guns in the middle of the morning. Well, <laughs> and I have a question, too. Like you were talking about you guys taking the fish and doing the derbies and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh, for the private landowner. That wants to, is it still your office? Is that the office that they would still go through as far as being able to restock ponds? And You know, I think back in the day that would have been the case. Uh, but as times have changed and, you know, as trying to remove any impropri- improprieties between, you know, state government and yeah. showing favoritism to private landowners and things like that, we, you know, we do some guidance where we'll talk to people on the phone and walk them through you know like proper stocking rates or um uh, habitat management things like that but as far as actually getting fish all the fish that we raise at our hatcheries go into public water bodies here in yeah Florida. that's so what i was saying i didn't know because i know some people have bought them in the past and i mean there are private companies that'll do that these yeah. days oh, absolutely, now, so you absolutely. don't have to go absolutely. with you guys anymore i mean as long as it's a native species and they're not bringing in you know pock owls or something uh, you know turn loose right i mean the big thing here in florida is if you're stocking bass somewhere you know you need to make sure that that's florida strain largemouth bass a lot of people don't know a bass is not a bass if you go up to and oh- a white tail is uh, not a white tail <laughs> right you go up to ohio and catch a bass that's not the same fish as what we have nope. down here in central florida so uh, the the florida strain bass is is really important to us um, it's important to other states. If you California, yeah. If you hear of some a, lakes in Texas, if you hear of a bass that's ten pounds being caught in another state or another country, like Japan or something, that fish isn't from there. That fish is a Florida strain largemouth bass. That fish came from here originally, or at least its genetics, its lineage, it came yeah. from here. And it's it's something that we try to protect. So when we take fish in at the hatcheries, we look at the genetics of them, make sure that they're Florida strain, and you know, when we, we spawn those fish and take the eggs from them, we make sure we're stocking Florida-strained fish here in Peninsular Florida. Now, if you buy um, fish from a private uh, facility, uh, especially here in Peninsular Florida, they should all be certified uh, to carry, flo- yeah, Florida-strain uh, largemouth bass. You're not allowed to have northern-strain uh, largemouth bass south of the Suwannee River. It's a, really? I yeah, didn't know that. It's a well, that's good. Species. We don't want any wildlife. What is the di- I mean, but, like, for just the layman, it's kind of like – you guys talk about that, and I'm sure probably most of us here could look at them and tell you a difference. Sure. But, like, the turkeys, what's what's some of the defining, I guess, marks or ways that they could tell? Well, there's there's obvious differences in their aggressiveness. Uh, you know, northern strain fish, they tend to... Always have attitude. <laughs> what are you doing? They tend to... Uh, northern strain fish tend to tolerate... Uh, colder water a lot easier than what our um, Florida strain bass do, but they don't get as big. Our Florida strain bass are um, eating they're machines. Just, they're unique to Florida. <laughs> they are used to Florida's environment. Um, the boom and bust, we get droughts down here, and then we have times where we have too much water. That really stimulates the, the fisheries and, and their growth. And, uh, you know, Florida strain bass down here, given the right conditions, can be uh, from an egg 
to 14 inches in about a year and a half. Now, up in, uh, say, Michigan, it may take that fish three years to get that big. Um, Yeah, you got the sunshine, you got the warmer waters, all that stuff promotes growth, and there's plenty of food. So Exactly. uh, You know, that's the way they are. It always has been that way. I just wish our deer were that way. (laughs) 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 I wish our deer would have that same opportunity. Which uh, you why? know why? Why they don't have to wear a fur coat around? Well, that's true. Five months or six months out. Of the year uh, yeah, they get, to wear, they get to wear t-shirts. Yeah, it's a totally different experience skinning a Florida deer as compared to a Ohio deer. It's totally different, or a Pennsylvania deer. The hide well, is thick want, as a rabbit. Yeah, you want yeah, the uh, fat layer in between? It's huge. You want the biological explanation for why the we know what it the, is, the, Mister? The we do a hunting them. show. Okay. Well, well, I we mean, know what we're talking you, about. Hey, well, you let, let the professional let, talk. Let the let the. Uh, Why do you want to throw that degree around? Where did you get that degree, by the way? UF? Uh, no, actually, I'm uh, I'm a Yankee. I've got to admit it. But I, I'm originally from Michigan. I was, uh-huh. I got my bachelor's. What part of Michigan? I was born and raised in Kalamazoo. My yeah? apology okay. for the northern joke. Hence the reason why you're a duck hunter. I'm a northern strain, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I am a duck hunter. I'm well, we would love to talk more, but we have to take a break. Thanks okay. for coming by. All right, we are the bigger wild. <laughs> we'll talk after we get back. We are brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors and Brandon Ford. Stay with us. We'll talk with that Dustin kid when we come back. Welcome back, Big and Wild Outdoors. Jonathan Swindle, Braden Gunn. I'm here. Bill George has got a headset on. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. And we got the he he's ready to go after the old Michigander. Leave us alone, man. He's he, he's he working come, for us now. He didn't come far from where I started. It's a, hey, it's okay though. Michigan. Out of all the northern folks, I get along better with a lot of the country folks from Illinois and the country folks from Michigan. So. Kalamazoo ain't country. There ain't uh, no cow it, ain't, there. it ain't Detroit, I can tell you that. There, yeah, yeah, there you go. It ain't Detroit. But I, I, I will say this. At least he's uh, moved down here to become a productive he's member a of the redneck. Floridian <laughs> Society who's helped to benefit all of us uh, who go and enjoy these uh, great waters and stuff out here. Yeah. Uh, and we appreciate guys like you who come down here and want to make it your home. And not just come down here to move because they got really good cocktails listen, out at Frankie's on the beach. Listen, we got to educate y'all on the right way of doing things. Y'all in the South did them wrong for so many years. We got to come teach. Whoa, you. whoa, <laughs> what? Are you out of your mind? Okay. Just that, you, yeah, yeah. The, let me back yeah. up because the Gator, yeah, the Gator yeah, Gear guys fixed to get you. a Gator cane right upside his head. Remember, okay. remember, for, remember before that war of aggression from the North. Yeah. We were feeding you people, so uh, you know your corn only lasted for a little while. Touche. Who won? Who won what? Oh, here we go. Yeah, you're unlucky because the French didn't come. Here we go. <laughs> we brought the French in. You guys would be speaking with southern accents. So, <laughs> start it up. I don't care. Fire up the cannons. We'll take this up to Fort Sumter. We'll start it all over again. Well, during the break, I was asked. So easy the second time, my friend. <laughs> Before the break, I was asking him about. You know, the stocking of the fish and putting them into a cattle pond and that and asking them, you know, if you dug a pond and you stocked it with fish and you had like putting bass in there, did did those fish qualify? Do you have to have them for the bag limits that the, that the state pushes? 
push no, it out. No, you don't have to do That's that. That's private property. I can set my own bag limit. Yeah. yeah. Can you do that, Dustin? You can yeah. hunt turkey it's, over corn, too. <laughs> and I'll say it like this. As long as you uh, you own the land around the pond and it's not connected to a public, a, a public mm-hmm. you know, so like you got a creek or something like that. that what fl- if it's a spillover and it goes into a ditch and flows into the Withlacoochee? I don't know. You'll have to talk to. Uh, uh, you're in the wrong uh, department. You'll have to talk to a lawyer. That's um, law enforcement. <laughs> but That's one of those judgment. It, calls. If it's only connected at certain periods of time, um, you know, probably not. But like I said, I'm I'm a biologist. I'm not a, a law enforcement. So he stays out but, of the fight. But you think about it: if you dug a cattle pond and you didn't put anything in right, it, here we go. Over a period of time, fish end up in there somehow. Oh yeah, yeah. somehow. They end up coming in on bird's feet or something else. Exactly. You know? That's what I was about to say. Yep. Yeah, no. Les McDowell says they fall out of the sky out of the clouds. Wow. It's raining fish. <laughs> it's oh, raining I, fish. <laughs> <laughs> it just amazes me where, where all of a sudden you start seeing fish, and it's like, how, how the heck do they well, get I think there? They have talent marks. You're the biologist. You could probably help us on that, but doesn't a certain amount of, of, of egg material sometimes – not only stick to birds' feet, but if it's eaten, it does pass through quickly, and then it can be deposited in a lake. I've heard that theory as well. Yeah, I think uh, I think any eggs eggs are usually soft and they're pretty easily digestible. So I, I don't know that that holds much water, but definitely um, you know on on birds' feet and stuff like that. You see sometimes uh, an osprey will uh, swoop down and grab a fish, and they're flying all like I don't know what prompts an osprey to fly you know three miles with a fish in his talons is going somewhere to eat it but sometimes those fish wriggle out of the claws and and fall back to earth uh hopefully not hitting someone's windshield hopefully landing in a pond somewhere but that occurs um but it is it is a with the water that we get down here and the high water sometimes with hurricanes and things like that like I said, a lot of water gets connected, you know, a pond that you wouldn't think is connected to anything. I've All had it fi- takes we've had too. fish in our par- – I mean, we've had walking catfish in our parking lot. Sure. Oh, we yeah. have them in the sewer system in St. Petersburg, in the storm drain system, I should say, because when the streets do flood, you'll see them, man. They're, they're trucking along down the road. You're like, what in the world are those things? Right. And here they are, waddle, 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 you know, trying to find a water source to get back in it again. But let's say you have a pond and it has nothing in it. And one of our most abundant freshwater fish that we have down here is mosquito fish. You don't pay much attention to them because they're small. They only get to be about an inch and a half big. But they are so, um, so needed. Yes, and, and they're... You guys it, have a system where you can actually come and get some if you have a pond, right? Yeah, I don't know if that's... That's not through FWC. I think that might be through uh, Department of Agriculture or DEP. Well, I know that you can go get them from them and then put them in your pond. Yeah, and that may be on a county, uh, county basis, but I, okay. I'm aware of that. But mosquito fish, they form really the base of our food chain down here because everything eats them. Brim, uh, we'll eat mosquito fish, bass, obviously, uh, crappie, stuff like that. Mosquito fish, by the way, eat the larvae of mosquitoes. That's why they're so important. Sure. Uh, But one thing a lot of people don't realize with mosquito fish is they become an adult from an egg to an adult where they can sexually reproduce in about 30 days. So, And then that fish, you know, will have uh, a certain amount of babies. And those within 30 days, those fish are having babies, and so you can actually start, you know, with a couple eggs on a on a duck's foot, starting and hatching in a pond. Within a year, you can actually have several thousands of of mosquito fish in that pond. And then if if the same thing happens with a bluegill, well, the bluegill all of a sudden hatches in that pond, and as it gets bigger, it's like 
holy smokes, there's a lot of food in here for me to eat because <laughs> yeah, there's really. a ton of mosquitoes. And so then the bluegill population explodes, and that's that's basically how it works. Yeah. So, I like yeah. it. I like the idea. Are you, what, are you trying to get something? No, I, I turn around. One of the places I like to hunt, I hunt down in the swamps a lot, and I, I do that because those mosquito fish eat all the mosquitoes. You get up in a pine flat, and they, those mosquitoes tear you up, but you get where water stays a little are longer. Are you sure that's the only reason why you asked the question? Because I heard a rumor that you were thinking about digging a pond. Well, I've, I've contemplated that. <laughs> <laughs> you got to remember, if it's a question, it's all about Bill George. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about Bill. And next will be the turkey questions, and he'll hit you on that one, so it's all good. But, but if, I, if I release a bass, I don't, need, I don't need to contain it. But if I release an alligator, i got to put up a five-foot fence or something like that. Yeah, well, uh, I, I don't well, know Well, bass aren't going to come out and eat, eat your neighbor's dogs or whatever, so... Uh, bass would be a, probably a little more better way to go. Mo better. If somebody were to want to turn around and take and build a pond, where where would they go for for getting information? Well, you can call uh, FWC. Um, you, you can call our office and uh, speak with one of our fisheries biologists there. We can actually give you more information and give you, um, you know, send you something as far as private fish dealers down here. There's there's several of them here in the state of Florida where you can purchase fish. We do give guidance on, you know, what you would look at as far as keeping the pond oxygenated. That's a big problem down here in Florida is is making sure that the oxygen levels in your pond, um, you know, stay up to par because there's a lot of – we get a lot of phone calls saying, hey, man, all the fish are dying in my pond. What do I do? And it's usually because of, you know, there's a lot of algae in the pond and we get several cloudy days. The algae dies. And that decomposition starts robbing up the oxygen. And so we recommend things like putting in aerators. Um, At least until a pond gets established, right? Until right. It starts growing no, that's different grasses. But even when the, the pond becomes established, it can experience fish kills from different things. If you have all of a sudden an algae bloom, um, algae blooms are really big down here in Florida because there's a lot of nutrients in the water, right? So usually when you have lakes that have good plants in it, like Lake Panasofsky, you don't have the algae blooms because a lot of the nutrients get locked up in the plants. But, right. Um, it, it's, it can be problematic if, if for ponds especially, um, y- you know, year-round. So it's uh, it's important to make sure your ponds are aerated and, and uh, you know, that you're taking care of them in a certain, you know, certain so, way, making sure that your ponds are deep enough. Adding and chlorine. And adding chlorine. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's blue dye. <laughs> right. You know, right. all that kind of the, good stuff. Right. So yeah. that that would be each. They could contact any of the local regional offices, and they'd get them in touch the, with the biologist. Or is it all out of the Ocala area? Yeah, if you're uh, in the Tampa St. Pete region, that would be the, the Lakeland office, and I don't know the number for them right off the. But it, if you go to myfwc.com, you can go to regional there. offices. Yeah, so. absolutely, and also on myfwc.com, there's uh, places where you can ask uh, ask questions. Just send a question to FWC, and then they route it to the person that's best suited to answer it so and um, if you ask a lot of questions you can create an account and they'll track them (laughs) (laughs) right yep yep well dustin thank you for all the information man we know you got a hard day ahead of you man dealing with a lot of fish so get ready for that just live in the dream nettle sausage get your belly full power up get ready power up and get ready because uh i saw one boat come back in but i haven't seen anything unloaded yet so all right i'm curious they're letting them grow but uh, if you got nothing to do today, if you want to come by and check it out, we're going to be doing the weigh-in starting at about 1 o'clock. 
Uh, Panta Vista Lodge is where we are at Lake Panasofsky. We're an hour north of Tampa. Seriously, you get on 75, you get off on 321. It's pretty easy to remember. And uh, you get off on 321, you get up to the red light, and you take a left, and you go down about three Drive. miles. Three miles, and it's right here on the right-hand side. You'll see a big, giant sign out there. that says Panta Vista Lodge. You can't miss it. We hope to see you out here. we got plenty of food for lunch, and we got plenty of food for dinner. All we got to do is go to Catfish Johnny's. Awesome. And go in and fill your belly, because, I mean, I had a full old belly. Got that fried fishing platter last night. Holy moly. And then your lovely wife, pretty good, too. Then your lovely wife ordered like 80,000 of those corn fritters. Those corn think, fritters, man, those things are great. I don't think we made one of them made it home at all, unless it was internal. <laughs> I, I usually take a dozen home to my wife. Uh, we've already talked about you. We've already talked about you. All right, listen, we're the Bigger Wild Outdoors. Thank you so much for listening. We're going to be Facebooking live a lot of stuff after the show. So uh, go make sure you uh, log on, keep it on your phone so you'll get a little alert. It says, hey, Big and Wild is live. And you can see check ya. it out. We'll see you guys next Saturday, probably from the studios. We're on the Big and Wild Outdoors. Brought to you by Chief Five Feeding Outdoors and Brandon Ford. Thank you, guys. We'll be back next week.